Welcome to Fuji Love. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Fuji Love podcast. This is the show all about the Fujifilm X series and GFX cameras and the photographers who love to use them. I'm Mark Sadowski, and of course, this show is brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine. Go to fujilove.com, and there you're going to find some great interviews, gear reviews, and fantastic images by our Fujifilm photographers. Head on over to fujilove.com. And before we start this week's interview, I want to mention one more time our interview with Billy Long. He is the senior technical brand manager over at Fujifilm Canada, and we are going to ask him uh, whatever questions that you guys want. Uh, head on over to, well, or send me an email to fujilovefeedback at gmail.com. And if you have a question that you want to ask, Fujifilm, now's the time to do it. We've had a lot of people send me emails, a little bit more time. So, you know, before the interview actually starts, I want to give him as many questions as possible. So uh, if you want to ask a question, now's the time to do it. Fujilovefeedback at gmail.com. Ask Billy a question. We'll have that interview soon. Joining me this week is Neil James. Neil, you are a tremendous photographer in the UK and, you know, worldwide. <laughs> uh, your, your work stands out <laughs> just brilliantly. And you. you are also a really amazing podcaster. You have uh, a, a great show with um, Kevin Mullins and, mm. and your work is uh, out there, diverse. You have your own YouTube channel. You are amazing photographer, and I'm very pleased to have you on the show. That's very flattered. Thank you. <laughs> Am I still a photographer? I'd quite forgotten uh, over the over the <laughs> months. That's what I could still describe myself as. I've done more podcasting than I've done than I've made photographs. That that that's for sure. Um, well, today, like we were, met, uh, you were we were discussing before the you know before I hit record. Uh, at the time of this recording, you have received great news for the UK uh, for, because lockdown has been uh, still a, a, a big thing that has prevented uh, events from happening. Um, so that that has now been somewhat lifted, completely lifted. Yeah, I'd, I'd say somewhat lifted because um, for another month, um, we still have a, an issue with, well, if, you, if you're a wedding photographer, I mean, I'm talking about the wedding market now. Yeah. If you're, if you're a wedding photographer up to um, yesterday, I know we're recording this on a different day, but but the day that we're recording, yep. uh, the, the, the limits were 30 people at a wedding. So that was um, two, the, the bride and groom count in that 30. So those two or the bride and bride or the groom and groom, those yep. two, then plus 28 guests and then staff fortunately for a while i don't think it was but fortunately staff were were not included in that number yeah and and so 30 people at a wedding well it was 15 but these life events as they've been called now have been extended because we were supposed to unlock as a country on the 21st of june but that's not going to ha that that was the so called freedom day but yeah. that's not going to happen in the fashion that people were hoping 
But weddings seem to have um, received a, a, a little bit of a knowing nudge from the Prime Minister, who said that, that there, again, it's, it, it's a little bit confusing, like a lot of this has been. There's, there's yeah. no surefire ruling on it, but essentially there, there's, not a, there's not a limit, but the limit is that the venues have to operate within social distancing. I hate that phrase. Um, I, yeah. I prefer the American phrase, physical distancing. Physit, physical distancing rule, uh, and then you're allowed to go ahead, but still there's no dancing, no bands. no. You can have a first dance, then after that, Please go and stand in the corner and look embarrassed like you used to at the prom disco. Um, really? <laughs> and and for a lot of people, that is the stumbling block. I've already had two that have said, oh, I can't do this. Uh, can can you do a date later on in the year? So so we're there, but we're not quite there. But it, yes. but it's better news, isn't it? So you have to you have to break out the smile a bit. Yeah, I mean, it it at least allows you to. Uh... Uh, open up just a little bit for the smaller yeah. weddings. Yeah, yeah. So, so venues. I mean, I I tend to shoot quite what I would call medium to the the lower side of a larger wedding anyway in terms of numbers. So, so a typical number at a wedding for me is about eighty to a hundred. I d- I don't tend to do these. Having said that, I've just booked on a three hundred wedding at. Um, oh, I've never done one. Beautiful venue. No, I take that back. I have done one. Well, yeah, but. I, I, that I don't usually shoot those kind of weddings. It's not my the largest I've done is a thousand. That was a that was a, a Turkish wedding, and they're quite large. And there's a particular yes. venue in London that 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 caters for for Turkish weddings in a in in an extraordinary way. But really, my my weddings are the eighty to a hundred crowd. So for me, it's pretty good news. Um, whether we get to I don't I don't know how other people in other countries that are listening now feel, but. I've heard. I've described this period of our history as living under the wheel C regime, and what what I mean by that is that my my parents, and I'm sure a lot of parents around the world, wherever you live, whatever language you speak, will have had their own their own um, version of it. You know, if you say, "Mum, can we can we have an ice cream?" and she'll say, "Well, we'll see, darling." Yeah. Or, or, or if you say, "Oh, can we go down to the park today? Go play on the swings." We'll see. And it's felt like, well, could we open up the wedding industry, please, Boris, so that we can actually get back to work and we'll see. And and so I feel like we've been, been living under this we'll see regime. And that continues because there is that sort of feeling in the news that if these figures keep going the wrong way, et cetera, people will say, well, you know what we said? We'll see. Um, so there's that. And I, and I, I photographed a, a, a yoga instructor last week. And she said she'd felt like she'd been living on a massive snakes and ladders board. Um, are you familiar with snakes and ladders? As, as a, yeah, yeah, we have a, uh, our equivalent is shoots and ladders. Shoots and ladders. Well, sna- snakes and ladders. So the la- ladders, she said, are getting really small on this board. But the snake tails are getting really long. And it's easier to hit a snake tail than it is a ladder. And this yep. is a yoga instructor. And usually they, they're, they're full of the joys of spring. Um, and, <laughs> and that's what it—that's what it's felt like, I think, for a lot of photographers. Um, it's been a painful period, hasn't it? Right now, so on on this side of the pond, it, what, so you have the the parents that are kind of will see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our equivalent is 
uh, our divorced parents are trying to be protective, but you have dad kind of going, ah, you know what? Go ahead, do it anyway. <laughs> uh, so, so we have, I'm, I'm on the border of Massachusetts and New Hampshire and Massachusetts um, for the longest part was very, uh, very, very uh, strict with what is allowed and what isn't allowed during events. And then, Across the border, we have New Hampshire, which was a little bit more loosey-goosey with the rules. Mm. And I use rules in quotations because uh, everybody in New Hampshire was partying like it was nineteen uh, 2019. Yeah. Uh, and it was, uh, yeah, so it was like, yeah, you know, we're, we're fine. Our numbers are down. Yeah, you just, we're, we're great. We're fine. And, and in fact, um I was having a conversation with one of the Massachusetts venues uh, during a wedding. uh, And they were saying that New Hampshire was actively trying to snipe uh, their wedding clients by, you know, (laughs) by, by finding them and saying, Hey, come on over to New Hampshire. Have your wedding here. Yeah. I don't blame them. (laughs) But at the same time, I mean, with all of this, there is a caveat, isn't there? That, that you have to, uh, clearly be respectful of, of those that have been affected mentally or, or were still physically or, or folks, friends, relatives, whatever, who have who've succumbed to it. So Absolutely. You know, and every single time I, I raise this question or talk about the wheel C regime or, or the snakes and ladders now, um, a part of me, you know, is very aware that there will be other people saying, yeah, but I bet you haven't done that or lost this or... And, and that's, you know, that's the divide, isn't it? Um, you want to go to work, you want, you want to be safe, you want other people to be safe, you, and you, you definitely want to be respectful. But um, all these things actually um, don't add up to pay the bills. And, and I often use this, you know, we live in the you know, first world problem, but we live in the first world. Yeah. <laughs> and and un- unfortunately, those, those, those first world issues are, a uh, 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 sort of piled upon us in in the UK. We have uh, all sorts of loans and grants, and I kind of fell in into an in between system where I I really couldn't um, get the the grants that I wanted, and in the end had to borrow a load of money from from our government. So you know the government will be making well, they're, they're not really making money out of this, no. But but I'm 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 paying back a huge loan. So at some stage, I have to go to work or I have to close the company. Right. Yeah, uh, it's it's it has been difficult, you know, very difficult for for a, a lot of uh, photographers uh, yeah. in the entertainment industry. I, I don't know how others are faring. Uh, for, uh, well, it's it's interesting because I, I'm in the two podcasts that I present. You know, the one one with Kevin, the Fuji cast, and and Photography Daily, which grew out of that, and. Um, in all those those podcasts that I present, I talk to a plethora of photographers with who who work in so many different genres. Hardly any wedding photographers, actually. That's not that's not been something I've done on purposefully. It's just that's the way it's been. Yeah, many photographers are back at work, um, and they they've found intriguing ways to carry their businesses forward. Some have completely changed direction. I had a conversation with uh with tom stoddart for for uh, who's a, a renowned british photojournalist ph- photographer's photographer is the way i describe him and he was talking about all those that had worked alongside him 
you know, in, in, in the business of conflict and covering famines and all those news stories that, are, that, that um, formed the very fabric of the magazines that we used to read. Um, now, he wasn't talking about the pandemic as such, but as the years have gone along, people have had to, you know, here comes that word, pivot. They've had to pivot and they've had to change the way that they photograph because photography is is this sort of, it's an ever-changing uh, evolutionary platform and no more so than now. Um, the, the conversation used to go along the road of, oh, God, we got another, as, as, as they're cruelly called in this country, we've got another Uncle Bob who's, who's out at the weekend. He's got a great job during the week and he's now ruining it for everybody else by shooting weddings at half the price. Yeah, we um, call him Uncle Bob's too. Okay. <laughs> so universal language of Uncle Bob then in that case. But, we know him. <laughs> um, and has, hasn't he done well? I think he's got a Ferrari and several houses in Florida now. But, but, but that, it is an evolutionary business and it, it, it always has been. Um, and I think we need to remember that as we push forward now. That, um, that that our businesses do need to do need to mature and change with it, really. What do you see? So I I've also you, you know with uh, plenty of time to uh, to think about things over the past fifteen months. Uh, what do you think is going to be the big change with photography, or or, or a, a bunch of little changes with photography? Because now we have. Uh, I mean, for weddings, it's, you know, just waiting to do an, another big wedding, but you know, the evolution of micro weddings now coming, yeah. coming yeah. in and, and people realizing they don't have to spend a ton of money. Uh, photojournalism, I mean, photojournalism that has been on the chopping block uh, for, for, you know, prior to the pandemic, this didn't help Yeah, uh, that uh, the, the newspaper industry, any, any uh didn't do it any favors and then you know you have street photography now where everybody is uh, very hypersensitive of being photographed and even though uh you're in a place where you're fully uh in your rights to take a picture in public you know people are crying foul and and then becoming very violent in some cases like you know photography is being looked upon in in a very negative fashion uh, professionally but socially it's be it's i mean i don't know if you could even call it photography anymore it's like the tic-tac world uh tiktok world tic-tac tiktok world and uh instagram um you know how do you feel about these changes and do you think we can kind of uh right the tilting ship well, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all those sort of platforms fall loosely under vanity publishing, don't they? Yeah. Where where photographers have well, I don't believe they've sold their soul to 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 the devil because equally they, these have been platforms that have offered you terrific opportunity to promote yourself and and promote um, new businesses and and actually have. Hustle business, hustle um, uh, businesses along, or hustle profiles alongside your profile. So they've they've offered us opportunity, and it's very easy actually to to be quite downbeat about them um, when actually there's a lot of good that come can come out of them. Um, and I think they're so easily blamed, aren't they, for for the demise of photography? 
Yet the demise of photography could equally be blamed upon the fact that everybody now has a picture-making piece of apparatus in their home, never more than a few inches away from them, usually. Right. Um, so, so it's kind of perfect storm um, area, really, isn't it? It's it, it's it's neither one thing or the other. All these things have arrived, and uh, and and it's and it's formed the perfect storm. And so people have to think how they're going to operate differently. So, how do you operate differently? Well, do you think? Well, shall I go learn what that other button does? That's called movies on my camera. Um, Maybe it's time to go, you know, I do a lot of stuff for, for if you're thinking I do a lot of stuff for my my Instagram stories and, and stuff like that, maybe I can offer that to agencies. Um, yeah. I was speaking to an agency recently that said, no, nobody's really ever approached us to say I could make all the stories for your clients. So we kind of do it ourselves, um, and we don't do it that well. We're an agent. We're a marketing agency. We, we understand that side of it, but we're not photographers. So I think we... I think we're in a time where we have to dig a bit deeper and do that thing that feels very uncomfortable, which is actually pick up the phone sometimes and talk to people, which sounds terrifically old-fashioned, but it still exists, mm-hmm. um, as, as well as write emails and tag people in. And you know, there, there are so many ways to, to roll up your sleeves and get involved. Um, and I can chastise myself for not, for not doing that particularly well during the last... 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 years or whatever it seems to have become the last 18 months. But that's what it's felt like. And, and I, I think that's what we have to do now. We, we, that, that's, really, that's really important. As far as, the, I mean, you mentioned street, which is a slightly different thing. Uh, um, there are people that make money out of it. Clearly there are. But there are equally a lot of people that do it as, as a, a well-meaning and, and really important hobby. And for some people, and I've talked about this a lot, particularly on Photography Daily, on, on my podcast, Photography Daily, we talk a lot about mental health. Um, photography and mental health, they, they go hand in hand. Um, there, there's so many people that use that camera, look through that eyepiece and find that, that the world is not as nasty as it was before or prior to lifting that camera. And I've spoken to many photographers that feel that way and, and have used street photography largely to overcome all sorts of problems with stress, anxiety, depression, um, and, and worse situations as well. But yeah. I, think, I think we have a responsibility, don't we, um, to, 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 to act right. And I see far too many YouTube films with, with um, photographers that seemingly want to go into battle. You know, I know my rights. You know, I can stand here and do all that. You know, they, it's almost like they want to have a placard sort of actually on top of their head. So in, in a hat fixture, uh, in, instead of thinking, well, okay, well, I, I've just spoken, for example, I mentioned him just a moment ago, didn't I? Tom Stoddart, the, the, the um, extraordinary um, photographer in this country. Um, and I think Ed Cashy, actually, in America, said very much the same thing, that it's about dignity. And, and I think sometimes we've forgotten how to treat people with dignity when we're behind our cameras. And that's important. Um, um, we've got the Euro uh, 2020 um, football soccer, as you would say, uh, tournament going on at the moment, and it is, it is called Euro 2020. They did; uh, they must have bought so much stuff they couldn't bear to call it 21. Um, but there was a player that went down um, injured on the pitch called Christian Eriksen. Um, the re- very recently, uh, yeah, I was actually photographing a wedding. Uh, the guys were getting ready and uh i happened to walk in on that moment uh they uh 
everything stopped when, when, when he went down. Well, and he had a cardiac arrest, didn't he? Yeah. And there was a photographer that was, was pitched, pitched side to him that I've, I've, I've just been reading about a few moments ago. So I don't, I don't have all the details because I literally was flicking through this as before we started talking. But he made a very good point. He was he was about what 15, 15 yards or fifteen meters. He was cl- one of the closest photographers to Christian when 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 this all happened. So he had um, he had photographs of exactly what happened. People standing around him before they realized what happened. Then uh, then of course the doctors doing their thing, uh, defibrillating and and various other things that they had to do. So he he. He just photographed it. He said, my responsibility as a photographer is to take pictures of it. So snap, 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 snap. And then later on, decide whether it's appropriate for those photographs to meet the world. And, and, so that, that's the responsibility I think we have as a photographer. And he decided, um, um, that, that dignity was more important on this particular occasion. And I think that's the call that we make when we're out there on the street, and that's the way we help street photography, because at the moment we're taking it down avenues where people are going to say, no, just don't do it, don't do it. If that's the way you're going to act, don't do it. Um, so we have a responsibility, I think. Agreed. All-encompassing for, for – it's, it's a very moral decision. Mm, yeah. Um, we talked about uh, mentioning the, the shows with Kevin – how long have you uh, been a podcaster in addition to being a photographer? Oh, I think I, I started doing my first podcast under a, it was a different title. It was called Breathe Pictures, which, which that doesn't exist anymore. Probably three, four, maybe years ago. I hadn't really, despite coming from abroad, my background is, is radio broadcasting. That's my background. I could never tell. <laughs> having worked at the bbc is sort of my playground um were you uh, a photographer first then no broadcaster i only ever wanted to be a broadcaster Um, interesting from from age what was i 15 sort of i think 14 15 but it's a very bizarre story my my best friend at the time his mother worked in a in a hospital as a physiotherapist and um, in the school holidays, we would um, the the best park was next to the hospital, but it was quite a way away from our home. So she'd drop us off there. We'd go play football all day long. She'd do what physiotherapists do, and then and at the end of the day, we'd trot back through the hospital grounds, and she'd take us she'd take us back home. And but I remember walking through the hospital grounds, and I saw this sticker. And funnily enough, it was in it was a sticker in the office window of the mortuary block. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I, I, was, I was interested in the mortuary block anyway because it was the weirdest-looking building. I knew what it was. I knew people generally went in but didn't come out. So it was always an interesting uh, building to me because it, it's really odd Victorian style. So it, I'm just, it, it looked like something out of a, out of a horror movie. But I, yeah. I saw this sticker in the window, and I thought, what is it was It said Radio Hartford, which was the... Um, the the name of the town that we lived in, the radio station. And I said, well, we don't have a radio station. Um, and then, then I found out it was a hospital radio station, which the remits being only to to um, broadcast down very antiquated pipes, I suppose, to to um, to an audience that couldn't escape you. <laughs> um, well before we had the opportunity to to listen to uh, iPods or 
even even very old Sony Walkmans. I don't think I don't think they well, they, they were probably around, and so. So that was and that was it. I thought that's interesting. Radio. I was I was never an achiever at school. I was hopeless, and uh, I didn't. Uh, I was I was probably really really shy. Um, always the person behind stage when we did any school productions. Never out front. And I thought this is perhaps this is a way. I think I might have thought perhaps this is a, this is a way to shine and say well, I have got it, you know, Mum. And that was it. I I, just, I was hooked the moment I walked into that studio and helped out. I think initially for the first year, I just put records away on a shelf. Uh, yeah. I was absolutely hooked, and that's all I wanted to be. And our largest radio station was Radio 1 at the time. Um, and um, I thought, and it's run by the BBC, the national pop station. And I thought, one day I'm going to be on that station. <laughs> no idea how I would get there <laughs> at all. I was, I was hopeless. But, um, and that was it. That, beca- that became my... Um, that 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 was that became the pinnacle of what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be. And then, how did it switch to photography? Well, I mean, in, in the end, the, I know you're doing both, uh, but yeah. at the time, um, well, yeah. I mean, it, that's about sixteen years ago. So I, I I did actually get to Radio One, and I, I worked there for um, four years, and and then worked in commercial radio. Then became a program director. At a, at a at a sort of channel and a channel manager and, and and an agent actually for a little while as well and but the thing was I felt a bit like I was the um, the air marshal looking out of the window wishing that he was still you know a, a young pilot yeah <laughs> and I was thinking I want to I want to be in the studio I don't want to be I don't want to I'm an I'm a hopeless boss and um, I didn't want to be a boss and and so there well it, it kind of broke down I I I, I sort of fell out of love with radio and um, somehow I, I'd, I'd got, gotten myself a, um, a photographic studio as a kind of hobby thing at weekends um, on, a, on a farm just outside town. And I thought, well, maybe there's something in this photography lark. Maybe, maybe this is something I can do in my life. And, and that was it. It was, it, was, it was no more plan than that. And and just just for the record, I, I'm I'm now going to refer everything as a lark. You make everything sound so interesting and elegant. <laughs> what I said? Did I say lark? I mean, yeah. Something fresh out of a Jane Eyre's um, uh, Jane Eyre's Jane Austen um, book. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I so so that that's what happened really, and and um, and then I I switched reasonably quickly across across to wedding photography. I tried everything. I did uh, I did school photography, portraits, laid t shirts on the floor to do product stuff. Um, there was enough of a door that I could get small vehicles and motorcycles in. Tried to do a bit of that, um, and but but it ended up being wedding photography. And um, and this year had had we or last year had had we not had this uh, this pandemic, I, I would have reached my nine hundredth wedding. Oh wow! Um, yeah, <laughs> I did quite a lot across a few years, um, and that's yeah, and th- and that that was how I ended up shooting weddings. And bizarrely, I, I it was only a couple of years ago I went to um, the the reunion for Radio One. They're having their fiftieth reunion. I haven't been there for the fifty years I might add. Um, and um, there were a couple of presenters in there, and one of them sort of said to me, how on earth did you become a wedding photographer in a really sort of snidey, couldn't believe it fashion? Yeah. Um, because I, I think it, it, it's a much maligned, 
it's a much maligned industry. I think they'd have accepted it more had I become a fashion photographer. But I'm I'm pretty happy in my place, actually, I think. What what about wedding photography as opposed to the other uh, styles of photography? What was it, the part that drove you into uh, staying in that field a- and the the photojournalistic style? You have a very interesting, uh, candid style of photography in that in, in your portfolio, you have this great eye for capturing the most silly detail (laughs) Um, (laughs) and uh like like something that can be like something you know you know brushing off you know a piece of lint or you know something happening in the photo becomes this focal point Hmm. among this grander story you have this you have this great eye for finding the story within the story i guess is what i'm well, it's very, trying to say. very kind of you i mean i i hope it's more um more emotional than, than the silly moments but i'm not so sure i'm so good at those but but uh i i guess really i mean i'm a soft old um soul at heart um i i do cry at the green mile still doesn't matter how many times i've seen it um and you know, um, um, emotional things tug at my heartstrings. They really do. And it didn't take long, actually. I mean, when I first started shooting weddings, I did them in the very colour-by-numbers way, I think, that we all do when we're trying to find our foothold in something, don't we? We think, right, well, what do we do? Well, what, what do they do? Let's follow what they do. So, you know, it was almost like the rule book of weddings where everything was a bit cheesy and, and followed a, a familiar route. But it didn't take too long and... Yeah, and, and I was taking note of photographers around me that I thought did it tremendously well, like Jeff Askoff, who who is a very well respected photographer in in the UK, who was who'd been shooting in a reportage style for you know, quite quite a while, a good long while, a couple of decades, I think. And and so it didn't take long really for me to find that as the more interesting side of of perhaps shooting weddings that that it wasn't really a a wedding I was going to. I, well, it was a wedding I was going to, but I, I wasn't really seeing it as a wedding photographer. Um, and that's really how that's really how that that came about. I, I suspect actually I do. I probably do more of the the non reportage than people would care to think. Actually, you know, there there are parts of the day that I do step back into being you know slightly more standard if you like, if that's the correct phrase, wedding photographer. And I don't mind either. I don't think that's anything to be ashamed of. I think, you know, you're, I mean, my, my mother and father, I talk about a lot, exhaustively, actually. <laughs> they, they both passed away. Um, the bo- but but only, my, only my mother got to see me get married. But, you know, one of the most, one of the most precious photographs, last photographs I have of my mum is a very, very standard, stand-in-a-row <laughs> wedding photograph. Yeah. But it's a really important part of the documentary of mum's life and my relationship to mum and the fact that she was there at our wedding. And so I, I, I still think an element of that creeps into my work. I just don't choose to show a lot of it um, because I, I much prefer the, the candid nature of, of weddings. Um, I heard it described by somebody that, you know, that they're a news photographer. In fact, I know a couple of news photographers that that are, that are 
stunningly good wedding photographers, and they describe it as just another news day. <laughs> they just happen mm-hmm. to be at a wedding. And I, I think that's quite a good way to look at it. What are you using for gear right now as far as uh, the the Fuji gear? I, I mean, I, I got to ask that question. <laughs> well, here, here we go. Um, stand by for some con- controversy. Um I had been using Fuji. Uh, in fact, I started using Canons. Five, the 5D was put in my hand at a very early stage. Yes. And it felt like a, you know, it was is the old rather cliche adage of, of you know, hand in glove sort of feeling. And and it felt like that. So I went through the one, the two, the three, the four. And then, then at that stage, I, I made um, a sudden change to X-Pro and the X-Pro 2. And um, and then the XT3, and I stuck with the XT3 for a number of years. Um, and again, the pandemic came along and and rather changed my direction, really, in in terms of the gear that I use. So now I have a split camera bag. So um, I I spent the first well, I don't know couple of months and I still haven't done this thing my website is still the website from before the pandemic that was due to change and um and I, I haven't changed it although I am working on it but in doing so I looked at a lot of photographs that I'd taken across the last five six seven years yep and or maybe 10 actually and the the really high emotionally charged moments the ones that I felt most comfortable comfortable about were not shot on my fuji system they were shot on my canon system there's something that when i hold the canon camera works for me photographically and and it was and this is going to sound like a terrible name drop now but i'm going to do it anyway um i Mm -hmm. i have pete souza um president obama's um photographer of course for the eight years of his term yeah on on the show on photography daily and after the show, we had a chat about cameras and we were talking about mirrorless and da 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 da. And we talked about the 5D and he talked about his relationship with this camera and that, that it was like this old engine that he could pro- properly depend upon whenever he needed to. Um, and I asked, well, if, if I'd have been able to put a Sony or a Fuji or something else in your hand, would you have changed if, if you could have had today's technology then? And he said, yeah. You know, probably not. <laughs> and and I felt the same way. Um, so I have changed back when I'm shooting weddings to Canon, though I do take now, I will be taking, because I've only just bought it, um, the, the X100V. I will be using that, and I, I shall probably use that as my as my evening camera. Um, when yeah. I, yeah um, with, a, with a very clear purpose. Now, having said that, I've not fallen out of love or relationship with Fuji. I mean, I present a, a podcast that bears their name, of course, <laughs> um, although it's not their, their podcast. It is independent, as you well know. But but um, I have an absolute love affair with the XH body. I love it. It feels great in my hand. The grip is perfect. Um, it's probably a bit more 5D like, and that's why I like it. I've, I would. I was just about to say that. That is, w- when I held it, I never, I never bought it. I never went with it. Mm. Uh, I was tempted, um, but uh, it was very reminiscent of the uh, the 5D. In fact, it's the only Fuji camera that I probably could 
buy without having to buy an L bracket for it. Yeah. Because all the other cameras, uh, the grip is not enough for me. It's just, just ever so slightly out of place. Um, just because of the way my hands are. And so I always have a L bracket with that grip on, on every single one of my cameras. Well, it works for me. I, I love it as a camera. And yeah. uh, now I use it as, um, uh, for all filming, I don't touch Canon. Now, I did used to use Canon for all my filming. Don't touch it at all now. I, I use I use the uh, the XH one. I can't wait for an XH two. Come on, Fuji, hurry up! Um, uh, so that that has become my that's my filming camera. Uh, and so I I'm kind of twin badged at the moment. But but uh, you know, and that shouldn't really make a difference. I, no, I, not at all. I think people can get very territorial about it, can't they? And you 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 put something up on. Um, on youtube i haven't done a lot on youtube of late but you put something up and you've changed direction or you look at all the other films where people say i've gone to sony or i've, I've gone to olympus or i've gone to fuji and and the haters underneath like they've been personally insulted it it's is great <laughs> it's great clickbait yeah uh, yeah in where you'll have the i switched to to fuji film and, yeah. and look how great i am and yeah. then uh oh I switched to Sony. Look how great I am, <laughs> and, and so forth. And it just that that because of some slight or something, you know, I it didn't have three Absolutely. card memory card holders. Now um, I, I, you you go with what works for you at the time. Yes, um, that is the, the best camera for you to use for that particular genre or job or whatever it is you you do. I quite like the heavy. Now, Kev is is completely the other way. He'll he'll look at me and roll his eyes and and say, "Well, how can you possibly be? You know, I couldn't possibly use the large camera at a wedding. I, I I wouldn't do it anymore." And I I I take exception with him slightly on that because I've heard him say that so many times, and I've thought, absolute rot. You the the, <laughs> the camera that's in your hand, you make you make it, not the camera. Although I'm slightly contradicting myself by saying I felt more comfortable using a Canon at weddings. Could I use the X-T4? You bet I could, and I can't wait to use one. Uh, and maybe that will will be my switch back again. Um, I, I, I'm very, um, I, I suppose I'm very passionate about Canon, and I'm very passionate about Fujifilm. I, I have one old uh, Nikon, as you would say, camera, which is a, an F5 film camera over my right shoulder at the moment which i love and i can't get rid of because because it because i used it for a college course oh uh, my god that f5 was oh it's a beast of a thing i don't I, I i it's 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 a great camera but i wouldn't use it professionally and i i came into uh owning a leica r4s recently and i love that too but but i have to say fujifilm and canon for me that they, they are my professional They've got my they're my they're my professional wingmen or wing women. Um, that they're, they're the they're the cameras I would I would choose to work with. Nothing else at the moment. Like that, I, I mean, for the longest time, I was I was in the same boat. Um, I I was a uh, Canon shooter uh, in addition to Fujifilm. Um, it, it, back then, it was more Fujifilm as the wingman because the you know early on the autofocus wasn't quite there. Uh, but once that switched, I was, uh, the primary reason why I went Fujifilm is, uh, well, one, the, 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 the looks, but I mean, in the end, the, the Canon cameras were 
really heavy and the way i was using the cameras yeah uh, just my hands were having a hard time taking it yeah i mean i i purposefully chose quite lightweight lenses for the canons and yeah this is not a show about canon but just to give you an example um i i stepped away from the l series lenses for that exact reason that they were like paperweights so i bought a 1.8 um ef and and a and a 35 millimeter f2 one as well and they're really lightweight and look the the weight is i don't is it double i don't i don't think it's double but it's it's not an immense amount more yeah um, and so it wasn't really ever a weight issue to me it was it was it was simply what felt good for a particular job um in the same way that that fujifilm once i'd started using fujifilm to film with I couldn't go. I mean, I I had a really nice setup of a of um oh, what was it called the C one hundred Mark II, yep. which was a really nice video camera, and of course it's it's great because it's got an XLR input for for audio, so that made life easy. So it it wasn't just a flippant thing turning away from Canon uh, for filming, and 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 the X um sorry the um five D four of course with its uh, uh, dual pixel sensor and being able to tap on and it followed people brilliantly. It was, it was it, it's a great um, great camera for video, but I didn't like the codec. I didn't like the size of files, the handling of files. I didn't like the the way that everything ground to a halt every time I went into an edit. And yeah. actually, I, I felt the XH1. I thought the pictures and the fact that I could work um, in um, in 4K as well really easily. I thought, do you know what? This is this is all I need. This is fantastic. Why would I want to use anything else? And the only the only complication in all this, and this is the thing I I I, I wish and I hope, but I'm sure they won't because it's just it, it's an extra bit on a camera that I think would make it unwieldy. I I just wish there was a way to get balanced sound into um, a Fujifilm camera um, instead of having to go through a 3.5 mil jack, which is going to um, it, which will become unbalanced, of course, during the process. That, yeah, that, and that 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 for me is the only thing that I miss. It's the only thing. But these days, look, you've got Pluralize. Premiere does it anyway, and and I'm sure the other systems do. You can sync sound really easily, so it's it's not really the issue that it that it once was. Yeah. What do you think uh, the X? h2 is going to be like you uh, do you envision yourself making that complete switch when when that gets announced well if there was a list and i could put myself on it today i'll be there uh, <laughs> and, and, that, and that'd be like buying off plan before even seeing what they're going to do with it because i'm sure i'm sure that obviously a, a you know new sensor um the, the very outside possibility of something better with sound um and I know That's it's got to be happening. Well, because... I hope so. I hope so. Um, but the 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 uh, a better flip around screen that I know some people will be horrified. Oh, I flip around screen. Oh my god, you're a YouTuber. No, it would just be really <laughs> handy in some in some ways to be able to in many ways to be able to switch that. So the screen having an articulated screen would be great. Um, of course, could could you give me better slow mo with four K? Probably you can. I'm not I'm not that worried about. 6k and all this sort of resolution um bump but but that's the times that we live in um i don't I, you know there's not a lot they need to do to the body styling and the way that it works the the operative way that it works to me feels really good and i'm really comfortable with it 
Yeah. There's not much to change, but just a few tweaks will make, I think will make a huge difference. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, the, the X, the XT4 is already. Yeah. Like how much better can you get? Yeah. Well, it's just little things that you need to add, I guess. Um, and, And I'm not very knowledgeable about the, the, the video world, uh, photography world um i I can't think of anything else to to be able to add uh yeah truth be told i've you know everybody you know talks about ibis ibis this ibis that um i've never used ibis for any of my photography video work that's different i i get that but for stills it's no it hasn't made any difference to me for for stills i i believe but of course, for uh, for video, yes. I mean, Kevin did say to me, to be fair, he said, why don't you just get two XT4s? And there is part of me that thinks, yeah, he's right, you know. He is right. But but there's just something that's ma- making me hold out for this XH2. You know, it better be good when it comes out. Otherwise, Kev was right all the way along. <laughs> I could have spoken <laughs> a long time ago. He's always, he has a habit of being right about stuff, does our Kev? And I mean, and right now, you know, if you're, if you're comfortable and you're having a great time with your, with your Canon, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's all good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I still have colleagues that, that, you know, haven't made the jump to the mirrorless system. Um, it, it, the, the Nikon and Canon photographers, it's, you know, every, everybody was like, you know, make the jump make the jump it yeah. only makes sense to go mirrorless and it's like yeah you know what these cameras still work <laughs> they, they um if you're looking into getting into photography now is a great time to buy some really great cameras uh, cheap. yeah um the, the, and there are times i miss the mirrorless now i was shooting a i was shooting a funeral um oh what month and a half maybe two months back and uh i needed that silent shutter at that moment, I needed that silent shutter. But there, there is this thing about, it's, it's not about how much noise you make. It's about how slow you move. Yep. And I think people will accept the odd, the odd purr of a shutter, as long as it's not one of those old <laughs> DSLR boom, big clunks. You know, people will accept the odd purr. It's the way you act. It's, it's not, you know. And I, I come back to this a lot when, when we talk on the Fujicast about this. Um, look, Kev, Kev is, he is you know he's the street photographer of the two of us and 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 actually i go as far to say actually he he is the photojournalist the the more pure photojournalist definitely out of the two of us i should not not go as far to say no i know that to be true he is the the more pure photojournalist of the two of us and but we often talk about what makes you a, a reportage or a photojournalist at a wedding or whatever you want to be and, and and it's something i've learned from talking to lots of photographers that it's it's not about being a ninja or jumping out from a bush and saying do you want some it's it's not it's not about any of that it's about yeah you're not supposed to jump out of the bush at all <laughs> you're <laughs> doing a, it wrong <laughs> that's true that's true that was a bad example but it, it's about <laughs> it's about how slow you move it's a it's about move it's a dance isn't it i think when you're making photographs yes um, the subconscious dance with with those that you're photographing um, and sometimes you get it tremendously wrong, and you. I mean, I'll give you a great example. I, I, sh- I shot a. I shot a wedding. This goes back years and years now, but I'll never forget it. I shot a wedding for a, a, a reasonably well-known um, 
photographer, um, wildlife photographer. And um, and I'd shot the wedding, and a bit later during the evening, he was, I was he was at the bar, and he sort he beckoned me over, and I went over to him. And he said, he said, um, Neil, you're you're a lot like me, and I said, um, I said, Steve, no, I'm, I'm not at all like you. Um, you shoot polar bears and incredible these ape pictures that you make, and and you you're sort of you're on you're you're tracking and you're you're photographing lions and. I mean the pho- the photographs he makes are just spectacular, so I said I'm I'm not at all like you, and he said yes you are actually, um, he said you don't spook the animals, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said what do you mean by that? I said because you're always in hides and you know the animals don't know you're there, and he says no 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 he says all the animal kingdom knows I'm there, it's just whether they choose to let me in. And he said, and I think that's the way you work when you're photographing weddings. And I, I took that to be the greatest <laughs> um, flattery I, I could possibly have received from him. But it was something that I've taken with me ever since in this sort of like move quietly, um, don't spook the animals. And I think that's the way I think that's the way to work because you can you can be so obvious as a photojournalist and as a wedding photographer. Look, you've got a camera around your neck. Doesn't matter what sort of camera it is. It's around your neck and you probably look more professional than than the next person that's just sort of leaning against the bar a little bit little bit drunk. And and so it's obvious that you're the photographer. It's whether they choose to let you in. And that's and that's and that's the way you act. Pure and simple. Yep. That's great words to live by. So any (laughs) aspiring wedding photographers out there, that is great to know. Don't spook Uh, the animals. Don't spook the animals. And and in some cases, it could be literal because those groomsmen, groomsmen, they... uh, They can be. They can can be. (laughs) They said they could smell fear. That's true. true. Um, Neil, I could keep going on and on i mean we we still haven't even talked uh uh, you know touched on more of the uh the the audio profession uh from the bbc and onward but i'd love to have you back on another time to to just shoot the breeze yeah yeah. Uh, but it was great chatting with you and why don't you tell the world where they could find you on the web well uh my website is neil james funny spelling n-e-a-l-e james.com there's a story behind that as well actually that's linked to the bbc and a, and a postcard but that's for another time that's for another time <laughs> they were part two I'll, I'll, I'll share the picture i'll share the stories also of uh, my run-in with uh, with john lyden from the sex pistols and all that kind of stuff on that return as well um right on that's <laughs> yeah, a good one and um and then um it podcast wise of course there's a fuji cast which we've been doing. How many years have we been doing this now? Is it two, three years? I'm sort of losing me. touch with time with this pandemic thing. Um, but we've we've had our sex. So we're, we're going into our third year. So we've had our second year. Yeah, we had a second birthday party. Well, we didn't have a party. We couldn't, <laughs> but we would have done. So yeah. So um, there's there's the Fujicast, which is available on all podcast apps wherever you get your podcasts, and that's the sort of thing that you're supposed to say. And also on Fujicast.co.uk. Uh, very much a, a 50-50 sort of um, job, that that one with Kev. Um, and re- really pleased with what we've achieved with it. And um, 
And then, of course, there's Photography Daily, um, which is available on photographydaily.show or, of course, wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify and all that kind of stuff, too. And you've done some great interviews. I, I heard the Pete Souza yeah, really interview, yeah. and uh, yeah, you he he was a great guy to talk to. I, mm. I remember uh, chatting with him uh, in, in the summertime of, of last of last year, and it was uh, as we all remember, it was quite the heated time. But Absolutely, he, he is such a just, yeah generous man as well, isn't he? Generous, brilliant, and just like one of the most observant you know down-to-earth people yeah uh, that, that you could talk to and just yeah. very very uh like uh, common sense being the, the 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 thing that is very prevalent in his eyes yeah. and, and being able to talk uh great detail about that he was he was it, it was awesome it, it, and i was a huge fan of his work and so i was a bit awestruck when i was talking to him yeah it's really, uh, yeah when you're interviewing people that's the uh that's the one thing you have to attempt not to be isn't it um is is awestruck yeah uh, it, it's it's a tough one but uh and and i failed miserably <laughs> it was <yeah>. awestruck <laughs> like we talk just going through the photos you almost wanted to just stop and just keep looking it goes back to you you should never show fear i i um we're closing, I know, but in closing, um, do, do you remember Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails? Oh yeah. Okay, so Trent, Trent comes into. I was doing a radio show, and he was he was a guest, and um, I'd all week long I'd been scared stiff of talking to Trent because um, because when I when I went to see Nine Inch Nails, there was a cage in front of the the uh, the stage, and I remember saying to the the record company guy, "Why is the cage in front of the stage?" Um, you know, do do people throw stuff at him or something? And he, and the guy said to me, "No, no, no, no. that's to protect the audience from Trent." <laughs> <laughs> I said, right. So I worried all week or maybe two weeks of sleepless nights coming up to this interview. And he turned up and he brought me a present, and he was the loveliest guy ever. Never judge a book. Um, and I, uh, yeah. So you you've got to be careful, haven't you? <laughs> right on. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Well, Neil, again, we could keep going on and on. We could, Uh, we could. But uh, it was a pleasure, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk next time. I hope so.